Hey ladies, I'm Kendra. I'm Nama. And I'm Adelise. And we are Three Three Dope Dope Wives. With over 20 years of collective experience, we're here to give you an inside look at what marriage is really like. Honey, we are airing out all the dirty laundry, spilling all the tea, and telling all the business. Are you looking for something really real? Then honey, pull up a chair and grab your favorite cup of something hot as we dish on all things marriage. Well, friends, welcome again to another episode of Three Dope Wives. I'm your girl, Kendra, with my uh, co-host in the studio, Adelise Nama. Excellent. And we also have a dynamic guest in the house. But let me just unfold this for you all. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about family feuding and how family feuding impacts the marriage relationship. We've got a good friend in the studio with us today by the name of Eric Wooten. And let me just break down how dynamic this gentleman is. He is a dynamic speaker and relationship expert. Right now, he holds a Master's of Marriage and Family Counseling from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he's a licensed professional counselor. Listen, folks, that's an LPC. Okay. (laughs) Not only this, but he is an author of The Magnetic Marriage, Eight Characteristics of Irresistible Marriages. You need to go and cop that. Eric is also super passionate about relationships, and he's been working with couples for more than a decade. So we've got somebody in this studio today, folks, that is skilled and has the expertise. He's super committed to creating resources that'll help couples prepare for and strengthen their marriages. And he lives just outside of Dallas, Texas, with his lovely wife, Jill, of 25 years with their three daughters. Folks, let's all welcome Eric Wooten to the Three Dope Wives podcast. Welcome, hey, Eric. Eric. Where's the applause clap? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That sounded so good. I didn't. I didn't think it was me. All that. <laughs> I was like, who else is you. on here? But I wondered. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, come on, accolades. I see you. <laughs> all that's meaningless. All that means is I put in a little time and effort. And they finally yeah. gave you something. There's no I mean, guarantees. But we hope we hope you came out with some information in your head behind I'm, all I'm of hoping. it. Hoping I remember something. <laughs> That's all goodness. Well, Eric, I just want to jump right in. Um, you know, um, I already set the stage here. We're talking about family feuding, and and I, I do have some ideas. I mean, a lot of women, um, well, I would say couples have faced family feuding in one way or another at some point in their marriage, be it, you know, at its inception from them dating as a couple through them getting married and, and, and encountering those first, you know, entering into parenthood. There's just so many different phases in life when family feuding can come into the picture and impact that marriage uh, in a negative way. Now, taking a look at family feuding, I want to make sure that we're just on the same page for starters, if that's okay. Um, so I guess in terms of how we define what it is for our listeners. Um, I really want folks to be clear that we're not just talking about, you know, those petty things, the small little rifts, the tips that you have um, that may not be about something deeper, but we are actually talking about those deep-seated issues that can become real points of contention within the family relationship. So I guess given that context, and I can be completely wrong, so help me out, um, but just given that descriptor, what would you say uh, some of these issues look like within the family unit? <laughs> I could be completely wrong too, so it makes you like <laughs> when when I hear you say feuding, I think what I think about are just like ongoing, pervasive, unresolved issues. So every family's gonna have issues, right? We're gonna have conflict because we're different and we have conflict of interest. But I think uh just on ongoing issues that are never resolved where somebody's just unwilling to. Like, this is where I stand, and I'm unwilling to ever move from where I stand, mm. and uh, that just continues to cause problems. That that would be probably what I put in a family feud category. Okay. Something that's ongoing. What are, what are, what do some of those things tend to look like, if we can outline a few? Boy, so I think 
you got different categories. So you got, let's say, me and issues with my own family, my brothers or sisters or parents, where we've just, and some of that stuff could go back to childhood, right? You you got Mm -hmm. a kid that grows up thinking, you know, mom and dad always favored the other sibling and nobody ever Mm -hmm. did anything for me. And I've just got this chip on my shoulder. And so I'm going to read everything that I see, every action, every word through this filter of you're against me. And so I think that can have an effect mm. on my marriage if that's the issue, right? Because now I'm I'm yeah. getting hurt all the time. I'm getting frustrated. And then if I find out my wife had a conversation with my family, I'm like, what are you doing? They're against me. I thought you were with me. I think you got, you got that category. Hmm. And uh, that can look like a whole mess of stuff. And then you got kind of what you, you were alluding to, which was, hey, I'm getting married and maybe my spouse's family is not a fan of me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, obviously there could be a million categories. If it's something, uh, interracial, it could be a racial issue or some, some real deep seated prejudice. It could be just their family's different than our family socioeconomic status and we look mm-hmm. down upon them. It could just be, I don't like their attitudes or who they are. Um, so I think there's various levels of depth of where this goes. Um, but those would be some of the categories, I think. Yeah. So I guess we've got we've got all the different avenues, right? We've got this myriad of uh, of, of ways that we can go and we can look at family feuding. But um, really quickly, before we go down that road, I, I tend to think that like a lot of times people get married and they feel that they can go into marriage and sort of encapsulate themselves, right? Um, kind of feel like. No, no, no. Uh, forget our family. We just got our blinders on. Forget about them. Forget about them. And it's just going to be me and you in our little bubbled world. Right. And we're going to create this I bubble wish. of love and nothing is going to get in <laughs> and nope. penetrate that. I mean, is that a realistic view, you think? <laughs> I, I would, I would <laughs> say... I would say it's basically what you're saying is uh, I'm not marrying the family. I'm just marrying them. Right. Yeah. At the end of the day, it really does depend on boundaries. And I'm sure we'll talk a bunch about boundaries today. But of course. It, it really I mean, because literally I could say by family, I'm married now. I don't mm. reach out to you. I don't talk to you. I don't have to, I mean, I don't have to answer my phone if my family calls. I have that choice. So I literally could do what you just said, which is isolate me. I'd have to have a spouse who's willing to do the same thing. And we really could isolate ourselves and not have any family influence. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you get away from I'm only marrying you because you do realize your spouse, everything about them is influenced by their family from birth mm. till the day you walked into them. So you could physically remove the family, but I think you still got aspects of the family. All right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, obviously that's not real, real realistic. I think it's probably not real healthy, but I think you could if you really wanted to. Hmm. Okay. Would you think those those relationships would be set up for a success or failure? <laughs> I'm just interested. Real quick. Oh, in the marriage? Yeah, like those encapsulated marriages. Uh, Again, I I would say it depends on the. Here's the funny thing with marriage. Sometimes, like you can you can lay out like here's the characteristics of a healthy marriage, right? And I think that's good to do, and I think that's good to strive for. I know some couples who marriages their interactions don't fall into healthy, but because they're both similar similarly dysfunctional, it fits. Uh-huh. So. So if you had two codependent people that both need need to be needed and were both satisfied with my spouse being my everything, it absolutely could work because Mm. they would be they would be like us two against the world. They got this unity. They got nobody can come at, you know, and and if they both were on that, then absolutely it'd work 100 percent. But if one of them was not, yeah, that's that's a tragedy. I mean, that's you know, you could just imagine where that thing goes, right? The ones like nobody else but us two, and the other ones like eh, I still kind of want relationship with my parents. But since you get mad at me now, I got to start sneaking those phone calls and sneaking those interactions, and so then you get all kinds of dishonesty because they're not both on the same page. And the ones like I'm gonna figure out how to 
continue to have relationships. So right. yes, it could work if both are codependent, a little bit dysfunctional, but their dysfunction fits together. <laughs> it, it'd be a dream for them, really. Once, wow. So I have I have a, a quick question just to circle back on what you talked about when you said uh, you want to marry a, a girl or you want to marry a guy and your parents are not in support of that, but this is the person that you really love and you want to get married to. How do you get them to live with that idea without causing a fight, without being a rebel and being like, I'm going to marry you, marry them, whether you like it or not? So you're saying, how do you get your parents on board if they're not really a fan of it? Parents, family, you know, whoever is just not supporting, whoever is against that relationship. Yeah, I, I think the tough thing is you may never be able to do that. Like, like you, you, I mean, that's the one thing we all realize you're not in control of anybody else but yourself, period. Right. 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 So you can't, you can't force your family to like them. And right. I think on the front end of marriage, that's a decision you really got to make. If my family is a huge priority, then it would mm -hmm. be foolish for me to marry somebody they're not on board with. And mm -hmm. it, if, if I have healthy relationship with my family, I don't think it'd be wisdom to marry somebody that they have a problem with because there's probably some wisdom in what they're seeing that I'm ignoring, right? I mean, right. if if I trust my parents and my brother and good friends and, and their wisdom in my life and they're all against it, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me to proceed. So um, I think the answer is I don't know that you ever can. I, I would definitely in the dating process try to facilitate them getting along and try to understand what what's the tension here what what problems do you have can we alleviate some of the problems but if you can't you just got to know you're heading into a marriage where there's always going to be contention you're always going to be put in the middle and uh, that's a no-win situation so i would have a hard time moving into marriage unless it's something where my family and i aren't that close and they got a problem with everything anyway right. um but you just got to know going into marriage, you're probably going to have to choose mm. at times and set boundaries that may be uncomfortable at times. And the only healthy way to have a good marriage is if you set boundaries to protect your marriage and not protect your family. So what if so what if their reason is just a thing of race? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, your spouse is probably not going to change races partway through the marriage. And I going to become transracial. Uh, right, right. Yeah. Five years into marriage, I, I'm now identifying as, uh, as a different race. You saw how well that worked for what's yeah. the name? Rachel Dolezal. Was that that yes. lady's name? Rachel yeah. Dolezal. Yeah. Godly, they killed her. Poor thing. Uh, it's, it's so crazy. You can identify as a different gender, but poor Rachel was just trying to relate to who she related to. They killed her. Right. Anyway, that's a different show. Um, yeah. no, I, I think if you're going into marriage and there's an issue and that issue is not going to change, would you expect anything other than issues for the rest of your marriage? I mean, that's why I say I think you have to be prepared if you're marrying somebody and there's problems with that somebody in your family and you're not able to resolve it prior to marriage. It will be great if it can resolve and people change. So maybe hearts change and we get on the same page and maybe they realize, OK, we tried to fight it, but it's not going away. Now we need to figure out how to work. Um, that would be great. But I think you got to go into the marriage assuming this will never change, and this is something I have to manage attention for the rest of my life, and that's tough. Yeah, mm. especially if it's something like that, like race, like like you're you're not going to be able to change that. So, um, kind of going off of what Noma was saying, if we're in the dating phase, right? Like, what are some, I guess, key areas that we should know about our spouses, like family dynamics or any kind of feud that are in the family that could that could potentially carry over into my marriage? What are some like key ones? Yeah, I would I would just want to know what their relationship with their family is. Is it uh is it severed? Is it strained? Is it ten and if it is, why? I mean that's that's one of those to me that's one of those red flags if you're dating is if the other person has real strained or absent relationship with their family. I, I really want to know why. Because it could be that that they really have a totally dysfunctional family 
And the only way they're able to stay healthy is to not talk with them. But that's very few of the cases. I think most of the people, it, it will at least uh, alert you to some family dynamic where they don't resolve conflict very well or they hold grudges or this person. You know, if, if you're dating somebody and they're continuing to hold a grudge and unforgiveness towards their family for something that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago, like play that movie forward. I mean, they're going to do the same thing to you. And so right. I think I think that's the thing that we we always fool our you know love is blind right we always fool ourselves into thinking we're the exception but I think the person you're dating whatever track record they have relationally is probably a pretty good indicator of how well you guys are going to do do they resolve conflict with their family and and mend things and and recover that's a good sign because they're going to be able to do it with you right. if they can't. I'm I'm probably a little worried. So I would want to know what is the dynamic. Uh, if it is strained, tell me about that. What does that look like? You know, kind of dig into it a little bit. Um, because yeah, that would be that'd be a big red flag for me if they if they have a hard time or they cut people off or you know all the different relational dynamics because they're gonna do it to you. Yeah. yeah. I love that you said play that forward, right? So, you know, see how that might look down the line. What would you say to someone who feels like they're a fixer, right? Like, oh, no, no, no. I see that this is the issue you guys have had and, you know, everybody gets along with me. I am the kumbaya master. I can get anybody to come together and, like, feel the love vibrations throughout the space. Um, <laughs> what do you, what do you, Good, yeah. I mean, what? What advisement do you have for somebody that has sort of these rose, rose, you know, rosy uh, lenses that they're looking through thinking that they're going to come into this family and be like the, the glue that mends all? So it's, tough, it's, it's tough to be logical with people who uh, are illogical, right? I mean, cause, cause partly I would ask that person, have you fixed everything in your life? You know, I mean, yeah. it'd be like, like, you're in you're in complete control of you and there's probably things in your life you've yet to fix so to think that you will be able to fix people who may not want to be fixed i mean the reality is you can have the greatest advice and intentions and love and grace if somebody doesn't want to be fixed they're not going to be fixed so uh, but that's tough to tell somebody who's like yeah yeah, yeah i hear all that but i'm the greatest fixer um <laughs> You know, I, I would I would want to dig in with just that person personally. Uh, what what's with your need to fix people? Uh, do you need mm. to be needed? A lot of those people just need to be needed. They find their value in being needed and fixing. So imagine how much they tank when they realize they can't fix the situation. I mean, they're right. gonna be like, because right. uh, if you're if your self if your self worth is is attached to your ability to fix and then you can't fix, you'd be like, nah, I got nothing left. Um, yeah. I just think I just think that's not that's you know that's like missionary dating, right? Maybe Christ put me in their life to save them. Eh, well, first you don't save them, so let's. Uh, right. And I think <laughs> I any anything that you start, just count on you have to keep it going. So like, the, if, if I'm dating someone and I'm the reason they're growing in their faith, so am I going to drag them for the rest of their life? Or are they going to own their own faith? Am I going to? If I'm the one that comes in and has to fix the family dynamics, guess what I'll do the rest of my life? Because I'll be the one that has to fix it. Yep. That's, that's exhausting to me. And so, I, you know, at some point, you want people that can build it, build you up and pour into your life, not you're always the fixer. But, again, when they got those rose-colored glasses on, you, you could say everything in the world. They're like, oh, but that doesn't matter. This is different. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Eric, what, what I'm hearing from you is that, you are are you saying that it's better to just marry someone that you're equally yoked with? Uh yeah. How much time you want to spend on equally yoked? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, no, let I'll I'll take ten seconds and then we'll move on because we can dig in. I think when people say equally yoked, all they ever think about is I'm a Christian, they're a Christian. Um, and, and to me, that's so surfacey. Number one, being a Christian looks different for everybody. So for me, being a Christian means I'm part of a local church. I'm part of a small group on a regular basis. I tithe. I serve. I go to church regularly, not once a quarter. So that, that's what it means to be a Christian. So if I marry another Christian, 
who don't think they need to tithe, who doesn't want to be involved in a small group, we're not equally yoked. So I think there's details to it. And then I also think you could talk about being equally yoked with personalities, how they fit together. I think you could talk about equally yoked with our past wounds and hurts because a lot of couples, it's their their past wounds that are unequally yoked. So I'll give you one example and then we'll move on because you may want to do a different show on this one. Let's say... <laughs> Let, let's say there's a guy who uh, is overweight and has always struggled with his weight, and and that's a big wound in his life. As a kid, he was told, you know, hey, fat kid, hey, you know, slim, whatever. That's, and he decides to get in a relationship with a girl who is a fitness instructor. Like that's her life, right? She does Zumba classes and all kinds of stuff. But they're a great fit. Uh, I would caution them. And I say I would. I've done this before. They got married anyway, despite what I said, and divorced two years later. But but her whole life exposed his greatest wound all day, every day, because that's all she thought about fitness. And and she wasn't intentionally doing anything to him. But all that she was about was a constant reminder that you're fat, you're out of shape, you're you're the slow kid that, you know, your parents made fun of. And so and then all of her friends are going to be in that community, too. So they go yeah. out to dinner and stuff. Guess what? He's the one fat kid. Everybody else is fit. And so I think I think sometimes you take an insecure girl who has rejection abandonment issues from her family and past relationships, marries a guy that's just naturally extroverted and flirtatious, not unfaithful, just flirtatious, a friend to everybody, hugs everybody. How he is every day is going to expose her greatest woundedness. So I would say they're kind of unequally yoked in their woundedness, and you really want to look at that too. So mm. that's why I say we could, we could talk on unequally yoked yeah, for like be- seven hours because I oh think there's gosh. lots of categories to it. But yes, the answer is yes. I think you need to think about how do you fit together um, because marriage is tough. And so the more stuff you start stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking, the more difficult it becomes. Oh, I, I would have never thought about Sorry being. <laughs> no, I just I think all of our minds are exploding right now. That's all yeah. it is. We're all just like oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a Christian way out of that. We were like, wait, but there's like other ways. To be oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever thought about the unequally yoked in your wounds. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why? Why? Why was I not yeah. living in Texas, sitting up under your tutelage? 15 years right. ago. Because <laughs> I wasn't here. I don't Here we are now. Let's go from You're here. Right. Let's just go forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's and you can talk about, I mean, you can talk about values in that. I mean, there's a lot of places I think we're unequally yoked and, and we just think it's foolishly, it's just being a Christian. That's all I need. We both love God. Right. Nah, I'm, not, I'm not sure you're, your surrender to God is strong enough to overcome all these other fleshly things that drive right. you. I think we over kind of like the rose colored glass lady you're talking about. A lot of people do that spiritually. I'm like, you overestimate your spiritual maturity. You're, you're not, you're not walking in the spirit you're 100% of the day. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just, we're yeah. just not. And so you gotta be, you gotta be pretty sure that you can stay married in the flesh so to speak. And then when you yeah. add the spirit on top of it, which should take us to a whole nother level of success. But I think like, come on, man, it's like, I, yeah, I'm not so spiritual enough that if my wife's laugh and uh, her bad teeth drive me crazy, uh, I'm never going to tell a joke around her. I don't want to see her. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm not so mature to mm-hmm. her chewing is so loud that like, I don't ever want to have a meal because <laughs> they're chewing. Bugs. You know what I mean? I mean, right. Let's be real. I'm not gonna. Oh, that you know, is eat, real. Eat porridge three days and times a day for 25 years because I don't like the way you chew. You know, it's just like <laughs> we all got our stuff. Anyway, move on. Let's. What are we talking about? Feud, family feud. Yes. So, um, quick question though, because what, what, and it kind of goes into with being equally yoked. So there's, there comes a bunch of issues, right, that can come into family feud, whether that be while we're in marriage or while we're getting ready to be married. Um, so issues like running your household, money, how you spend time, kids, how you raise kids, like the, the list goes on, right? So kind of keeping some of those in mind, what, I guess like what kind of um what are some of the the ones that are that can really really impact a marriage like what are the heavy hitters of some of those issues 
I guess what I would say is understanding. I think I think maybe because there's so many of them, maybe it's more categories. So realizing every family has a culture. Okay. And and culture is strong. I don't care who you are. Your family culture is strong. Some stronger than others, right? Mm -hmm. But every family has a culture, and in the culture, there's values that drive it. There's a set of rules that may be spoken, unspoken. There's a set of expectations that come with it. And so I think understanding or getting to know what the family, your family culture is and what theirs is to know what is and isn't okay because it's so different, right? You you get married into uh, a culture that, you know, female dominated that's that's a whole different issue than a culture that's male dominated and you know the the women just put up with the guy's foolishness and that's just what they do and and uh see noma smiling over there so um are you nigerian I am. okay so, so yeah so you you know i've, I've counseled a number a number of nigerians and 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 that, that literally on usually somewhere on the front end after I listen to the story and what's going on in the marriage, I'll usually ask because now I know, um, what, what takes priority? The Nigerian culture or your Christian faith? Because we got different conversations here, right? When, when you start talking about your husband staying out there whenever he wants and you think he's being unfaithful and when you talk to mom and sisters and cousins and they all say, well, that's just what men do. And you just, I'm like, okay, that's not biblical. So are we going with your, your ethnic culture first or, or are we prioritizing uh, your Christian faith as a culture? So I think right. the answer to your question is every, every family has a culture. What's the culture? What are the values? Cause a lot of it's unspoken expectations, unspoken rules. You don't find out till you broke them if you did something wrong and you're like, oh, well, I mean, my family, we all argued with each other. We raised right. our voices and we got right. loud and, then, and right. then we sat down for dinner. And somebody else's family, if you ever raised your voice at mom or dad, uh, forget about it. We, we're not talking. And so um, that's what I would say. I would say trying to figure out the culture and what drives it. Mm. I could touch on that really quick. So I, a brief example. So in my and being raised, we're Hispanic. And so what seems like an argument is really just talking. We're just talking loud. Like we're very expressive. So coming, um, marrying my husband that is Louisiana, very Southern hospitality, you know, utmost, utmost respect for all elders. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. So when he was introduced to my family, it's just chaos, but we're having a good time. It's all love. We're kissing each other. You know, it's like, it's, it for me, I'm like, this is, this is great. This is normal. And he's like, why do you talk to your mom like that? And I'm like, like, right. like how I'm not, I'm just, I'm just talking to my mom. Like, I don't get it. But for him, it was me being disrespectful. And so we had like a whole conversation about that on how he doesn't agree how I talk to my mom. So I really have to like be conscious when he's around on how I talked to my mom. And so I brought it to her, Tessa, and she was like, well, you know, of course she's going to try to take his side. Well, yeah, I guess you can, like, fix your tone or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. We've been talking like this my whole life, and now you're trying to switch up because my husband said something. That's not fair. But, yeah, th that that brings a, a, a huge point as far as just what we're used to, and you don't right. know that it's wrong until someone else, your spouse, tells you that it's wrong. But even, right. even, even within just... Because even like you said, your husband and your and, and yourself, you're from different different parts. But even within just the same part, so like even Africans, like sometimes when my husband has me talk to my mom, he thinks I'm disrespectful. And we're all Africans. Where it, it's the same culture, it's the same, it's the same area in Africa that we're from. We're from, all from right. the eastern part. But he still thinks that's disrespectful, you know, and I'm just like, that's the way, that is the way we relate in our family. You know, it's a family thing, mm -hmm. you know, so, so yeah. Someone so coming out by that culture can't see that though sometimes, so. Right. Yeah. But I think culture is like, you know, you have your macro and then your micro culture, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I would think, you know, you've got your yeah. external greater culture that surrounds you and then you've kind of got, 
your own your family culture and then you've got like your nuclear family culture right where mm-hmm. and you're just like this is how we do it in our house so yeah. i think i think that's kind of the point right eric when we're talking about yeah the, the point is you marry somebody and the way them and their parents and siblings operate is is the culture and there's rules right. to it and there's expectations and there's values attached to it and um if if you tread on or violate their values, there's probably going to be a problem. And right. like if, if, if Adelise had gone to Edgar's family and talked to his mom the way she talks to her mom, no or, or, or his mom <laughs> said something and she just went in on an argument with it, cause that's no what we do. We, we like, we like to debate. Um, that's gonna, yeah, they're probably not going to be friends real quick. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that whole learning piece, though, of of figuring out what the culture is, right? Because I think even for even for us, we're we're different. We're loud and boisterous in my family. My husband's family are like quiet people, right? So I'm kind of mm-hmm. like the bull in the china house, <laughs> you know, coming in, breaking stuff, tearing. Everybody's going, "What is up with with Get this girl life. you brought home to us? Get like, life. what is up with her? Like, she's." Jeez, right. So why are we why are we talking generally about feuds? Let's talk about you and your and your in laws. No, we, I mean, no, no. No. <laughs> we ain't got no problems. We're good now. <laughs> they love me and all my crazy. All right. But when we talk about I guess the issues, the issues, the issues, there's a myriad of issues, but there's a couple that I really want us to just touch on. I mean, one, there's the issue of um how you run your house because you talked a little bit about the culture, right? The family culture that you have. And there are there are cultures wherein, you know, um, the family has a lot of say to Noma's point uh, in how you do what you do. Now, let's say you you felt you, you felt you did all your vetting. Right. You talked to them. You met with them. You had dinner with them. You said, OK, you know what? I could deal with it. Right. It's not a problem for me. Um, but then you get married and you move in together and, you know, you find that your in-laws are very much involved with the day to day running of your life, right? How you do everything that you do. Um, and that, that starts to rub you, right? At first it was like cute, you know, I can, oh yeah, no, it's no problem. Sure. We can put the couch there, even though you don't live here. Um, yeah, no, we can do this or that. How, how do you sort of deal, you know, now that you're in this issue or when there's a rub that's starting to bubble into a few? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So I think the tough, the tough, the tough thing here is that that hopefully before you got married you had at least some discussions on expectations, right, mm. and boundaries you would have. Because I think the tough thing is if you never talked about that, and then you start having issues, and now you're trying to resolve it, you may have a spouse who is unwilling to make the decisions to take care right. of the issue. So that that becomes a problem. Because what in that instance is hopefully you guys have. So I'm going to make some assumptions. If if you both understand biblically leaving and cleaving, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea of leaving the biblical word is to you're abandoning one loyalty on behalf of pledging yourself to another. That's a, it's the same word in Genesis that they used in the book of Ruth when Ruth it says clung to Naomi. It was basically, you know, your people are my people, and where you go, I go, I and, go you know, yeah. kind of thing. It's that it's that same word where where they said, hey, listen, so I'm assuming for discussion's sake, they understand that that this marriage is the prior pri- primary priority and loyalty. So as soon as I get married, I'm now a husband first. I'm a son second. I'm a cousin second. I'm a dad second. All my other roles are second. I'm husband first. So if if we understand that assumption, then now what we're having is we're having boundaries and expectations conversations. So we're saying, hey, in our house, here's what I want it to look like. I love your parents or family over here, um, but we need to have a conversation with them about what we expect in our house. From rearranging furniture to who owns the kitchen to how we discipline kids. You know, do they have involvement in the kids? And so there's so many categories. And I think there's there's probably a different set of rules. Uh, If I'm asking my parents to watch my kids, I think they have a I've got to give them a certain level of of authority. Right. I can't say, hey, watch my kids and then you don't get to discipline them or do anything. But 
how you discipline and have authority when I'm gone versus when I'm present, that should change. So Mm -hmm. if I'm not present, then absolutely do whatever you need to do with rules in your house. But if I'm sitting there and it's in my house and you start parenting my kids like over or against me in the moment, we probably got a problem there too. So, so I think (laughs) what you do when you find yourself in those problems, you sit down with your spouse and talk about what, what are our, how do we get on the same page with our expectations? and the boundaries we want to have. And then we go and have a conversation uh, with the in-laws or whoever about, hey guys, here's where there's been some tension on these areas and here's the boundaries we'd like to set, the expectations we have that we're asking you to kind of meet us here. Now, does does that conversation happen together or of that person? So if it's my in-laws, would the husband deal with his parents and I would deal with my parents? I I would ideally you have it together because I think when you don't have it together, that's where all the confusion comes in, right? Because then your spouse may think they said something, but it wasn't clear or they got nervous and backed down. And now then you two are having an argument. I thought you talked to your mom about that. Well, I mean, I did talk yeah. to my mom about it. And then you end up talking to the mom and the mom's like, he never said anything. You know? So I think both of you together is, is ideal. And then, like- and then you see how they respond right i like that you say that eric that is very very true because i remember myself and my husband moved to dallas because yes i got a job but i was happy that we moved to dallas because we were away from we were awake for some time from family Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it helped us be able to establish our young marriage because we had just got married when we moved here um but, you know, I, I always struggle with other family. When I hear, like, some of my friends telling me, oh, you know, my husband still sends his family money. And I'm like, I'm like, say that again? Another like, category. I, I feel like my husband still sends his family money because that was his obligation before he even got married. And I'm like, so now what happens? When he gets married, how do you guys talk? How do you guys talk about that? Do you even say something? And for me, you know, it makes me ask this question, like, how does money create, you know, a, a feud in, in families? Because it, it does. It's a thing. Yeah. There, there again, I, I think every discussion ultimately comes back to, did we talk about this before we got married and have right. clear expectations? And what kind of boundaries are we or are we unwilling to set with our family? Right. So for me, my, my marriage is primary. So I give me any category you want, finances, parenting, holidays, I don't care what it is. If at some point my parents, other family uh, are causing issues in my marriage, I'm going to set boundaries to protect my marriage. So if now, now again, there's thin lines on all this stuff because some people can take it and run the other way and then that's, that's unhealthy. But so when I say what I'm about to say, obviously there's caveats to it. Um, so my marriage is most important. So if I needed to cut off communication or relationship with my parents, uh, on behalf of, of protecting my marriage, I would do that 100%. Now, That's why I say people can get crazy because now anybody who's listening who doesn't like their spouse's in-laws would be like, oh, you know, I heard this. We need to to cut them off. It's like, yeah, it's like the reason you want to cut them off is your issue, not theirs. What what I mean is if my parents were truly doing intrusive stuff to hurt the marriage and we had had conversations with them about boundaries and expectations and what I needed and they were unwilling to listen to us and respect our boundaries, then I would have to do it. Not just, well, I just don't like them, cut your family off, and I'm not feeling them, you know. So, um, but yeah, I think I think it's also the same thing with finances. I, I would hope there was a discussion before you got married where the guy said, I send my parents a thousand bucks a month. And based on our culture, I feel like I have an obligation to help my parents and support them financially. So know that as we get married, X amount is going out of our household to this, to my family. And are you okay with that? And and if you're not okay with that, we shouldn't get married. Now, if they didn't tell you on the front end and you got married, then obviously we got a whole, whole nother set of issues to work on. Right. Um, but hopefully, hopefully there's discussions around all that stuff. Like what, right. 
What are we willing to do to help our families if they're in need? At what level? You know, if you have a good relationship, you can navigate all those things pretty well. Right. Um, you know, because hopefully you got some stuff for your own budget too. Like anytime we spend more than 400 bucks, we talk to each other. Anytime, you know, we do these things. Otherwise, that's where all the dishonesty and mistrust comes in. When I find out you were sending money to your family and you knew I didn't want you to. And, but most of that happens because you never had discussions on the front end and you didn't know their loyalty to their family and all that kind of stuff. What about the renege factor? Like, let's say you had that conversation, right? And let's say that you got, you got, yeah, absolutely, honey. Okay, so, you know, this is what I'm doing now for my family. And then when we get married, you know, I understand that that doesn't work for you. We're going to stop that whole gravy train, right? And then Mm -hmm. you get married and you think, we talked about this. He knows that all the money that comes in this house, we we put it together. We talk about it, all this. But, like, on the side, he's still sending mom and daddy, you know, that thousand bucks a month. You know what I'm saying? That you didn't know about. And then later on, you go to reconcile. And you're like, wait, hold on. Excuse me, sir. Something doesn't add up. Um, what what about that? Because, I mean, I feel like there may be some external pressure, right? Like, I I said, yeah, but For then sure. like, in practice. <laughs> That's still my mom, you know, kind of thing. Right. I I mean, I think that's what makes relationship different because now you're talking about somebody who never had an, an intention of doing what they told you they were going to do. Right. Is that so, fair I mean, to it, assume, though? Well, is what fair to assume? Is it fair to assume that when they said they would change and then they didn't change, that that was never their intention? No, I mean, it's possible It's possible they thought they were going to change and then realized the pressure from mom was so much I felt uncomfortable. But again, I think I would imagine if, if you're dating properly and you're asking the right questions and you're spending ample time, you're going to see glimpses of their loyalty to their family. You're going to see glimpses of the person couldn't stand up to mom or dad. You're going to see glimpses. I mean, to me, it's rare unless you dated for less than three or four months or something. But if you dated for a decent amount of time, to me, it's very rare to find somebody who the other person was able to like completely snow them on everything for a year and a half. And you never saw any cracks of this. Um, But I think that is tough in marriage when someone says, hey, I'll do this. And they turn around and say, I'm not going to do this. Um, Because again, you're not in control of them. And they they may be deciding my loyalty to my parents is of greater value than my loyalty to you. And that's going to make marriage real tough. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to make trust, uh, security, intimacy, everything. I mean, that, that, I wouldn't say it's impossible. That's going to make marriage really hard. If I, if I can't trust my spouse's word, and I don't believe that they're for me. It'll make marriage mm-hmm. tough. What about when it comes to blended families? So like, uh, a child that is um, from a first marriage or from a previous relationship um, and then their family. So their mom or their dad or grandma, granny, whoever um, is specifically with finances. Like, let's just say, um, you know, he's sending $500 in child support, but there's X, Y, and Z that is outside of child support. And now ex-wife or baby mom or whatever you want to call her is asking for more money. and he feels that his loyalty lies to his daughter or son or whatever. Um, where I know that I know that that would have to be a discussion, but what if that is something that is, is kind of like a sour discussion because it's something, it's kind of like for me, I know my husband comes first, but if I'm real, if I need to save my husband or my son, I'm probably going to save my son first. Uh. <laughs> I'm assuming it's probably the same, right? So I know I should be saving him first, but if if I'm just being quite real, I'm probably saving my husband. So where that loyalty lies, where where, between a a child and a spouse, like how do you navigate that? So here's here's what uh, here's what the blended family experts would say. (laughs) Now, if you're married, it's too late, but if you are getting remarried, you have to be willing to put your spouse above your children or you shouldn't get married. Even to the point of, let's say your son starts feeling like, well, you just, you know, you always take your 
husband's side and you want to spend time with him more than me. And you know what? I want to go live with my dad. Um, you have to be willing to so prioritize the marriage that if they want to do that, you're okay with that. Otherwise, I, I would agree. I would agree. And, you know, honestly, years ago when I read that, I said to myself, man, if, if something ever happened to my wife, I don't think I'd get remarried until my kids were out of the house because I would have a hard time if I got married and my new wife was treating my kids poorly or I felt like she was hurting their hearts or something. I'd have a real hard time not taking up for my kids. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, I just got to be honest with myself. I don't know if I could do it, but let me wait till the kids are out the house. Um, but that's got to be the mentality. You know, hopefully in a healthy marriage, you don't have to make those choices. But that's got to be the mentality because every blend. The tough thing about blended family is you always have somebody outside the marriage that has the ability to impact and influence your marriage no matter right. what. So, right. I mean, the baby daddy or baby mama. They, they can play whatever games they want. They can mm-hmm. manipulate. They can, they can affect your household finances by it's their turn to buy the kids football cleats because you got the basketball shoes last season and they decide they're not going to. So now right. your husband's like, well, I got to get Johnny his cleats because he can't play. And you're like, yeah, but that's her responsibility. Why well, no? But so now you start getting in the discussion of the kids suffering and I don't want to let my kids suffer because right. my, my child's parents. And so, again, it's going to come back to boundaries, how they're going to have some influence and some impact, but how much are you going to allow them? And some people don't navigate it well and t- tears their marriage apart because they let the other the other parent, you know, manipulate time spent. They're supposed to return the kid at six on Sunday and they're always two hours late and they make you. I mean, they can play the game. And I think that's the difficulty with blended marriages, which, again, you better have some expectations, some boundary conversations on the front end uh, of getting married uh, so you don't get in there and you assume, well, why? Like, it may be you don't want them talking to their ex-spouse. Well, like, why are you guys Snapchatting each other all the time? This is crazy. What, you know, what's going on? And so right. you, you, need some he- you need some healthy boundaries. Uh, but that's tough because that's one of those areas where no matter what you do, they will have some influence. But you'll determine how much of because, you know, you can always go through the courts and say, we're not even talking to them. Every handoff, everything is done through computers or somebody else. But uh, but, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. How do you deal with the new issues that arise like during marriage? So like all the I mean, of course, there's the pre-work, right? There's the stuff you got to do before you get married. But now you're in a marriage. Let's say you're a couple of years down the road and, you know, something something new arises. Right. Or a, a child shows up or, you know, um, there's a there's a hardship now in the family that didn't exist before. And mm-hmm. um you know, we've, we've seen situations where, you know, okay, well, my, my, my sibling needs to move in with us for a little while because they're struggling. And we agree that they can move in for this set period of time and then they have to move out. But them being there has created some strain on the relationship. Um, how do you how do you sort of navigate that? Right. Because we've already agreed uh, to the terms and we've got our boundaries and we're we're talking about it. But there is a rub. Right. Um, and I know this just because I experienced it. <laughs> um, just having somebody so else just, live say in my it, house. just say it. Hey, I need some help. Let's talk I, about you right now. We, we're, no, 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 no. <laughs> they're gone. It's been, it's, they're gone. I mean, I think I did a good, listen, I'm going to toot my horn because I think I did a good job. I sent, I sent my sibling a whole list of uh, expectations for when you move into my house. Here is what you can do, can't do, what we expect, everything. I ha- I'm not even kidding. It's a whole document because that's just my personality. So I sent my sibling this document. I said, this is how we do things at my house. This is what we can expect. We expect that you're going to be here for 90 days or less at the 91st day. You need to be rolling out. You know, we had a whole. That's a tone. You whole, set for tone. Yeah. Because, because you know that a new, another person coming into your home is going to shift the dynamic inside your home. Right. So yeah. you have to do that. So I did that. Um, but there was still issues that arose that we just didn't even foresee. Right. Um, and then, you know, you have, for example, in my case, my husband who did not want to say something, 
even though internally he was seething. Um, and like, I don't know, he thought my telepathy was going to pick up and it, it wasn't working. So how do you, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? How do you sort of, um, deal with these new issues after you've discussed it, but it's still not fixed and you've discussed it and it's still not fixed. So you want a solution and, um, I'm resolved. Not- I'm good. Okay, so someone wants a solution. I think that's that's where it comes in, where it's really, really tough because you're trying to get somebody else to do something that you can't make them do, and now you're stuck in an issue. Uh, part, of, part of the problem, going back to this is why you tackle as many issues in premarital before you get married because you know new stuff's going to come up that you can't even – that's why if, if you go into marriage, like at your capacity, like, oh, I can deal with this, but that's it. <laughs> You're dead. Uh, there's going to be new issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. my, my hope would be before you start that discussion, you guys have, have already had conversations about the dynamics in the family and what you guys do and don't do and what's okay and not okay. And, um, but again, I think in marriage, you're always trying to figure out uh, what offenses can you overlook? Because we can't address everything, and that's biblical to overlook an offense. So we don't we don't need to bring up everything. Everything doesn't need to be an issue. Sometimes we just need to grow up and be like, it is what it is. I think every marriage has irreconcilable differences. Why? Which is why I think that I think that idea. That's why we got divorced is stupid. I'm like, find me a marriage that doesn't. Right. My wife and my wife and I will never come into agreement on how to parent. Mm-hmm. We, we've moved closer to each other, but we have different styles. We have different upbringings and we have different perspectives and we both right. think we're so, we're so right. So uh-huh. we used to be way out here. Now we're here. We'll never be here. Yeah. Right. That's an irreconcilable difference for us. So we try to manage it as best we can. And when we can't come into agreement and it's something serious that needs a resolution, we've got some good mentor couples in our lives that we call and we say, mm-hmm. here's the issue. Here's my thought. Here's your thought. And what do you guys think? And when they render a decision, we submit to it, period. Mm-hmm. Because I, I need a resolution. So I, I, I would, I would maybe use that technique in the instance you're talking about. You came up with a plan on the front end. You did it right. Uh, you had an agreement that that agreement is not being upheld. And so who else have you guys decided to submit yourself to that can come in and, and kind of lay down the law, so to speak? Otherwise, you're just going to continue to have tension for the rest of however long it is because yeah. I can't make them do what I want them to do and they don't seem to care. And um, so that that's always my answer to solving anything I can't solve myself. Listen, I've been married 25 years now. I'm smart enough to know if we've argued about it three or four times with no resolution, we we're help. probably not going to get there. Mm-hmm. If if I would have, it's not an understanding issue at that point, right? I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I just disagree. And so yes. I'm not going to change my position. You're not going to change your position. So we can either let this unresolved issue continue to trip us up or we can go get somebody else to resolve it. And we've already agreed that, you know, our marriage is more important than rightness on this one. So let's go get somebody we trust and whatever they say we're in. That's good. So I that's actually that's actually very important. Like what you said, Eric, is very important. But I just wanted to ask, when you say somebody you trust, I'm thinking about the communication tool avenue that you use, you know, when you guys cannot resolve. What, how do you people, how do you choose that? Is it family? Is it friends? Is it, how, how do you, how do you know somebody you trust? How, how, <laughs> how can, how do you trust the person? I would say it's somebody that you both have a relationship with and that you you value their life, um, right? I mean, you look at some people and go, I think they have a great marriage or they seem to have raised a great family and I value how they operate. But you both got to be in agreement on it because it could be family, but it could also not be family. Like in, okay. in our instance, so let's talk about our family. Uh, my parents are one of the kind of three couples that, that we call because they have the ability. My dad's been a counselor for 40 some years. So they have the ability proven in our lives to be unbiased, uh, to be neutral, um, to when we share things, the next time we see them, there's no residual, you know, like, like if, you know, if I cussed my wife up and down and she called her mom and then we went up there for Christmas and there's kind of like side eye me, that's probably not 
of good people. So um, sometimes it can be family, but don't put your family in a position where you go tell them how, you know, your husband put his hands on you last week and then you show up for Thanksgiving and you forgive him because you love and he's truly repentant and he's never going to do it again. But they're always kind of like, I'll never forget that. That right. wouldn't be wise. So I think people you both agree on that seem to have a track record in their own life of, of being healthy would fall in that category. Okay. So, Eric, when we talk about family feud and all of the issues and all the things that we've kind of talked about, um, when it comes to fighting fair or conflict resolution of any way, is there well, are there ways to fight fair or healthy when it comes to family engagement or any of the issues that we just talked about? Do you, do you, do you, do you fight fair to start with? Right. I mean, that, that's part of it. But I think when it comes to family, I think if there's some categories of what not to do, um, obviously attacking your spouse's family, uh, criticizing them, demeaning them is never going to be a win. You know what I mean? Like my wife can say stuff about her family that's true and then I can jump on board and she's immediately going to get defensive I'm like why are you talking about my family like that I'm like well I'm just saying the same thing you said right. um, but it's not my it's not my family so yeah. I think one way to fight fair is to steer clear of attacking the other person's family or you're just like your fill in the blank family member Ooh, um, especially especially when especially when you know <laughs> When you know they like if if they don't think their mama acts right and you say you're just like your mama, I mean that's like a you not only attack the mom but you basically said you are what their their worst nightmare is. Don't ever compare me to my mom, kind of thing. So I think don't attack the family, don't compare your spouse to the family would be a couple ways to fight fair, so to speak. I have not been fighting fair. That's my no, well, terrible. Girl. That'd be so crazy to be like, you act just like your daddy. How many times have I gone That relationship has always been good. So. That works yeah. real well for you every time, huh? Every time, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Got to draw those lines in the sand and not go <laughs> beyond them. Oh, man. I feel like we've kind of hit on on most of our issues. I mean, it sounds like you've said um, a resounding setting boundaries and expectations when it comes to uh, family feuding and dealing with that. So I, I just want to know, Eric, um, I feel like we've had some really good discussion around how to deal with family feuds and, and understanding the different ways that feuding can happen, happen in relationship. You've given us great tools um, around, you know, setting boundaries and expectations to deal with that. Can you please um, let our listeners know if they are interested in learning more about the work that you do, how they can get in touch with you and the services that you provide a little bit about that? Sure. So I, I have a ministry called Altered Marriage. And uh, so I have a website, alteredmarriage.com. Altered is spelled A-L-T-A-R-E-D, like an altar, wedding altar. So alteredmarriage.com. Uh, you can get all kinds of information on there and uh, also I have a YouTube channel called Relation Shots where I do videos every week on relationship stuff. So uh, those would probably be the two main places to check it out. Excellent. And do you provide a, a counseling for couples or anything like that? I do. You know, in this season, we're doing some virtual stuff, um, but I do some limited based on time counseling. Okay, excellent. Well, folks, you have heard from a 25-year veteran who knows a little bit about a little bit. Um, <laughs> he's given us some great tools and information. You can check him out. You have those resources. And I just want to thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today on yeah. the Three Dope Wives podcast. Really good. One semi-dope husband and three dope wives. You can be 100% dope. It's all good. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> excellent. This has been another episode of Three Dope Wives. Sis, we are so glad you took a minute to get real with us. Yep. Listen, I want you to know something. Every day a woman is married and a wife is made. 
vows are exchanged and hopes arise. Mm-hmm. And every day a woman's dreams are crushed. Crushed. Let me tell you, crushed. Crushed. <laughs> by the yep. reality of what marriage really is. True. Stay tuned with us and we will help you survive another day of this crazy, crazy crazy married life crazy married life i promise we will now if you would like to submit a question or a topic of discussion please send your request to three dope wives at gmail.com that's t-h-r-e-e dope wives at gmail.com and we'll see you again next time girl